Recording in progress. Yes, that means it's true. Returning on the video. Got a message for her. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Perek Zion, Pasagiotes. After the Achanas of the past few weeks, we're about to actually begin the battle. Keep in mind that the initial hours of the battle, they're going to either directly kill or get killed. They're going to kill each other in the attempted escape. Also, 120,000 men, 15,000 will escape across the Yardin, and we'll see that uh, today. And even though those numbers are excellent in terms of what they still have to contend with, crossing the Yardin to enemy territory, even though there are Yidin Mevar Yardin, we'll get to them also, is a daunting task, especially when you only have the 300 men you started with. You're going to ask for reinforcements. You're going to get some. You're going to ask for supplies. You're going to get not much. So the 15,000 that is... Uh, running across the Yardane still pose a threat that Gideon will want to get rid of. So just that's the general quick overview before we actually start the battle. And nobody should wonder, well, it was so successful at the beginning, what do you got to worry about those guys? Uh, those guys are, uh, are a menace, a danger, and he's got to get rid of them. He's got to finish the job, and he will do so. In one day, that's going to take us a few weeks, especially we hope to have a shear after Yom Kippur and then uh, a couple of weeks later after Sukkis. Let's go to Perik Zion Pasigutes. Remember, he split up 100, 100, and 100. With him is 101. He tells them he's going to give them the signal. They're all holding the shafer, which we discussed for Inyane. Shafer before Shoshana. And he now moves toward the camp. It's the dead of night uh, for us modern folk. You get a little bit of a better idea, perhaps, maybe in Muncie. You can find a street or two that's not well lit, believe it or not, on purpose. We pay taxes for that. I haven't yet figured that out. It's that rustic feel where sometimes you can't see in front of you. Coming back from Shalom Zachar, Lel Shabbos here, walking up this hill, I couldn't even see the Kikayin Diyena at the top of the hill. The lights were on when I went down. By the time I got back up, you couldn't see your hand in front of you. This is in the middle of a modern suburb. So you get a little bit of a feel for what it means to attack at night where you're marching with three battalions of 100 men trying to tiptoe and... The little bit you could see is from the vase that's illuminated with the torch inside, and for that purpose, just for a small nightlight as they're going. The fear tactic is going to play a role in his ashtadlis, because if you're asleep or half asleep, and all of a sudden you see torches all around you, and it looks like one big conflagration, even though it's only 300 torches, if they would just stop and calm down, which is one of the many lessons learned over here. Obviously, Hashem caused it. That's the nace, that they're not going to calm down. They're going to be frantic, and they're going to make a hasty, bloody retreat. But if you 
in areas where you're supposed to remain calm, the Nisayan is, you can figure it out if you just don't panic. Why don't you look and see just how many people there are there, and you'll know you outnumber them hundreds of thousands to 300. Hence the nace. That would have been the proper thing to do. But Takash Baruch Hu is controlling this. But to trigger it, he's got to do this shadless and plan when to attack uh, the Gemaras and Machlekes, whether they're three Mishmaras or four Mishmaras at night, the Gemara and Brachas, and plays into what happens over here. He attacks at the beginning of the middle Mishmar, where there are three, where the people just got up, so they're kind of sleepy, and the other people just went to sleep. And that's when you're supposed to attack it doesn't mean you're going to be a short victory. As a matter of fact, it's a huge gamble, if not for the fact that Kosh Baruch Hu told him many times already with Simanim that it's going to work. The other Gidna Meisha Sheita Bixaya Machane, Raisha Shmaris Hatichaina, the beginning of the second Mishmar. Let's go with the Mandamar. There are three Mishmars. Both of them have to work into the Pasuk, obviously. So the other Mandamar says it's one of the two middle Mishmars. A lot of Vinyanim Alpi Kabbalah for this that the Mishmaris during the night represent various things and meet the Sarachamim at certain times, and he used that over here. That's more important than the surprise tactic when they're half asleep. And he uses that, obviously, to the benefit of the execution of the nace. Ach hakeim the new guys who are supposed to be watching just got up. And given the signal, they blow the shayfer, it's a very quiet night. We're not used to that in cities either. And all of a sudden they hear this tremendous noise of the smashing of something, but they're not sure what. We know what it is. It's the Kadim. That's why he used Kadim. And then they're going to be smashing the Kadim, taking out the Lapid. And all this is to uh, give that uh, shock treatment, so to speak. Which we saw last week is not a shituf chalila, that would be an isa And you can never put any power, certainly any human being, on par with a Baruch Hu because there are no other powers, and Akash Baruch Hu created all of them and controls all of them. And any uh, slippage in that direction is Avodah already, and certainly for Yidin, and the beginning of Avodah as historically Dar Enosh did it when they started paying homage to the, what they thought was Ratzon Hashem, to his ministers, the sun, the star, and the moon, and the like, and that uh, degenerated very quickly into pure Avodah Zarah, and they forgot that there was a revenge Yes? Well, same answer. Yeah, but you have to know that, and they take pains to point it out over here, Lashem Legidim, say that too quickly sounds odd, and obviously these are the tzaddikim of the tzaddikim, that's not what they meant. Pasek Chafalaf. Vayam de'ish tachta savel machana v'yaretz kalamachana v'yariu v'yanusu. So Rashi says v'yariu, this is the enemy camp, they start blowing a shafer, but they had different signals for different things. And Rashi says, this is Truas Masa Venisa. This is the sound, whatever their code was, to get going very quickly and run. Which, in the middle of the night, when you're shocked out of your sleep, is 
not going to be that orderly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, the naysayers is going to be much worse for them than not orderly. It's going to be a, a death trap. And uh, they're not going to know whether they're coming or going. And uh, they're going to run, and he's going to have to give chase. And as we mentioned, even across the Yardin, so it's not over yet. So the first uh, panic and confusion is it's dark out. They don't know who's in the Machana already, who's surrounding the Machana, and they don't know who friend or foe is, and they're going to start killing each other. So these are cities, they, they're trying to get away as quickly as possible. They vaguely know the direction of Eivar Yardin, which is what they'd like to get to, because that's where they're coming from. And now, all the very fine Yidin who were sent away from the Machaneh, who were good people, because they're the original group that were handpicked and they joined, and they were relative Sadiqim, just compared to the 300. They weren't perfect. They were apparently not sent home. They were sent away and sort of told or was understood they're going to wait on the wings because they're going to need, I put need in quotations, they can win the battle with 300, but part of their shtadlis, and rightfully so, is that they couldn't be in the front lines to trigger the nace. You need mamish at Sadiqim Gemurim, but we would appreciate their help and they want to participate, to their credit, in joining the fray as the chase is on, which it is now. And that's to answer in Chav Gimel, where did all these people come from? The answer is, they were the people who were there to begin with, and they start calling them, and others, not just the original ones that joined, which is, one second, the Pasuch of Gimel, uh, all the people originally want to come, and then some. Yes, Elliot. We know this is around Pesach time, very close. There's a bit of machlek in the Madrashim. It happened in a very short duration and very close to Pesach. Right, and the, the theme that keeps coming up for this chorus is the Karben So what's the time frame from when the Hashem appears? There's some Midrashim that it was like the next day. Very, very close. So it's, it's still, it could be still Chalamite. Uh, to say, well, why start a war in Chalamite? Uh, Chalamite has an Isra Malacha, but uh, here we're talking about Schusim, and there were very uh, slim pickings in terms of Schusim. So... That's why, remember the Chalayim, the thing rolling around the camp and everything had to do with the Karbanayim. Baruch Hashem, they were still doing the Avodah. So various Medrashim, exactly how close, but very close. So there's still a Levana. It depends if it's five, six, seven days later, there's something, and not full is better, and you need a non-cloudy night. Uh, but you're, you know, if you have one hiking... I don't know, I'm very American. I, full moon with no lights around, no flashlights. <laughs> the camps that we go to are not that rustic. I, yeah, but we never felt it because all the hiking we did in the middle of the night had a lot of flashlights and neon lights and all sorts of other, and car lights. <laughs> it wasn't really, I don't know if anybody is here ever really uh, experienced no lights. Like, not, you can, we're pretty far from the city. 
if you turn off all the lights, you have a nice glow from the city. We don't, can't imagine. We lived through, there was a famous blackout in New York. Uh, I was in New York. It was pretty dark then, but it still wasn't pitch black because it was the cities. There were enough generators, hospitals, cars. There was still plenty going on. That's not the worst blackout we ever experienced. So, yes, uh, they were used to it, and therefore some moon is better than no moon, but that's why he had to choose his, uh, his time. I'm not trying to detract. You still need a nace. This is a seasoned army, and I would assume most generals know that if they're going to be attacked and it's a sneak attack, it's going to be at the beginning of the second Ashmeris. So it's not like they didn't know this might be coming, hence the nace. But you still have to leave Mokum for the Brocha to be Chal. They're not going to attack in broad daylight. Pazachav Dalit. He sends other messengers. Arafayim, please come help us. They're on the run. We'd like to catch as many as we can before they cross the Yardin, even though he's going to follow them anyway. But it's much more difficult. Basically, I want you to cut them off at the pass and blow up the bridges and make sure they don't cross any passages to Avar Yardin, because, again, we're not going to give up, but it's going to be exponentially more difficult. And as I mentioned, the numbers, they did a tremendous job because 120,000 will not live to cross the Yardin, which is Rav Minyan and Binyan of the army. did such a fabulous job. They captured two of the top officers, as Ayrev Vezev, Vayargu as Ayrev Bitsur Ayrev, Vezev Hargu Bayekev Zev. The name was named after what happened, obviously. What? Uh, especially if they're in the city that's named after them, but uh, yeah. So it was Al Shame the Nase, and that's an Indian, to always put Simonim, Al Shame the Nase, to remember the Nase. And they had caught them already. After they crossed, some of them went above and beyond. They brought back their heads. That sounds a little gory to us. It's not. It's the way to show that they're really not here. Uh, the modern equivalent would be snap a picture of the body and then bury the body and bring it back. They didn't have cameras, or they didn't have cameras on them, one of the two. So... If you don't bring back, that, you can bring back the body, but that's a lot heavier. So this is the standard way it was done. Yes, we dispense with a lot of other things in Milchama, but yes, that's one of them, and that's a good point. And that Selim Kim aspect, the big machlek as it applies to an Akum or Sharm like this, not so I have an easier terrorist, might not apply to them as quickly. Kilosikim Tully is referring to a Yid who Nebuch uh, had to get uh, Skiwa, but uh, still a Yid. Mm, that's uh, the jury's out whether uh, after a certain Kufa they hold it, that title of uh, Selim Kim or not. That's a big, ma- oh, very not Pasha. It's like what's bandied around of the expression Hasidim Mazalim. If you look at the Rambam, 
It's a very slim, we'll take whatever friends we can get. I always mention, anybody say the Holocaust is going to get schar. And of course, Bochum make a pay schar Berya. With that said, we have a couple of streets here in Muncie, named after a very fine person who did tremendous, he probably did more than anybody else. Chassidim uh, Sa'ilam, the Ramam says clearly, is somebody who keeps the Zion mitzvahs, does the right thing because Meshur Abena brought it down on Sinai and he knows about the fact that there's a Maseira and the Zion mitzvah Makosh Baruch Hu, not a devout whatever, some other religion who might be an Ovid of Adazara and depending on the Psak there and is doing it because he's a nice guy and feels not the right thing to do, which is Gavaldic and we'll take any friends we can get and he's going to get Schar. But that doesn't make Chassidim Sa'ilam. So you can have a nice guy. It doesn't mean it's Salam al and it certainly doesn't mean it's Chassidim Salem. Chassidim Salem is not even a machaik, the Ramam gives a clear definition. Salam al is a Shaila, if it was lost, when it was lost, uh, who we're we talking about, and these are uh, pretty big Rishayim. The question is, uh, is it automatic Salam al and therefore, Kilis Elo Kim you don't leave the body and take off the head, you're going to be. But it doesn't mean they didn't bury the head afterwards. It's just that this is the only way to tell here the two arch enemies, the villains, and they're gone, and don't worry. The two bigger ones are not caught yet, and we'll get to them soon. Pasuk Aleph. Vayemra Elav Isha Ephraim. So it's interesting. The Pasuk just before gives us a, a great report. He calls Ephraim and Pasuk Chavdalid, and he tells them, cut them off and uh, get rid of the bridges and any access and make sure we don't have people escaping to the extent you can make sure. And they joined and they listened. And they did a great job. And they caught these two villains, Arif and Zev, and they killed them. Kans Pasuk Aleph, when they come back with the heads... After doing a fine job, this is the good news before the next Sikhsuch, uh, they had a, an order they were following, and they did a great job, and uh, they executed them, executed the order, it was Gavaldic, and they came back and they were fuming. You would think that some people in a lower Madrega, if they're fuming, they just go on strike and they don't do what they're supposed to do, and they let it be known. Here, the good news, there's uh, good news at the beginning, good news at the end, and just a plastic in the middle, which I'll fill you in on. Uh, they were quite angry that they weren't called earlier, which is very nice on the one hand. They were righteous indignation that uh, we want to join the effort. We want to help Klai Yisrael. Why, why don't you call us? Well, we're second fiddle. You call us Achra Maisa as uh, bringing up the rear. Like, uh, we, and they were angry. They were hurt. And they said, we're willing to help. The proof that they're really willing to help is they helped first and then they complained, which... Rule number one is don't complain. Rule number two is if you're going to complain, first do the job. If you have something you want to discuss afterwards, discuss it afterwards and bring it out and don't let it simmer if you can't get rid of it. And they did that. And uh, Baruch Hashem they did, as you'll see, the beautiful result. Yeah, the people who were sent away already were big people. You know how I know? Because they were called in the first place and the bigger I is they were sent away and they make a tumult. So that's that's Kavaldi. This has to be pointed out. A lot of people say, oh, who do you think you are? Yeah. That's very nice, no? The yeah, fact... The well, we'll see what, exactly what the title is, but I'm just pointing out, just to soften it, the puzzle before and the puzzle before that says they were called, they came, they did the job. Quickly. Quickly, in a very expert way, a lot of Islavas, and they got the job done. So... They realize, okay, we have a complaint. We are hurt, and I hurt. Can't let feelings stand in the way of progress over here. If we can remember that line before Yom Kippur, we're going to be in good shape. 
for the rest of the year. If you don't have feelings stand in the way of progress, there's a way to deal with the feelings. There's lasisas achich b'vavecha, rather hocheth achich. Hocheth achich is the general chiyuv, which we'll get back to sometime, hopefully we did now in Hoshana Rabbah. And to clarify, because it's misunderstood, but the Pasha Shana, the Pasik, before you get to that, is lasisas achich b'vavecha, rather if it can be solved and you can't get rid of the thought, sometimes you have a complaint, you say, ah, Irish kitten, forget it, that's the best way to do it. Life is too short. But if it still bothers you, bring it up with him, discuss it, maybe he'll for and he'll give you an answer and you'll make peace. That's what puzzling means. Rather, bring it up and either he'll apologize or he'll answer why you misunderstood. Hopefully one of the two. And then you'll have Shalom. And that's what happens over here. It's a beautiful example. Uh, they were really angry though. As a shevet. Ephraim always was a very important part of the war effort and a very Credible fighting force. And they knew it. And they said, Why don't you call us first? Are you fighting a war without Ben Ephraim? What for? So there was pride in here, but they also brought up a point like, Who told you to do it this way? Unless you think this was said in a whisper. Like, by the way, we're happy to bring the heads and everything's fine, just next time, can you please call us? The Arivan Ito Bichoska sounds like very stark, like there was a big sikhsuch over here. Which, haladavrahu, that shows you that we're going to hold this in and do the job first, even though they were furious, not angry. So I think that's wonderful. I hate to always be pointing out the silver linings over here, but as I said, it starts off with good news and ends end off very quickly with good news. Uh, the reason it ends with good news is because Gideon was such a tzaddik and such an honor. The reason he got the job, he wasn't the Gadol Adar in learning or in Yichus or anything else, and he was doing Abad Azar the rest of his family until he woke up. But the potential of Gideon, which was actualized, is that he was an honor and he understood his place. He understood when he finally understood that Kajabracha really wants him to do this, he kept saying, Mi ani mani, rightfully so. But once he did it, he understood my job as a leader is not to continue a fight where it's not necessary. Now, I say that very carefully because in the same peric, we're going to get to, maybe even part of it today, we're going to get to where he meets up with certain groups of Yidden in certain cities and they don't cooperate and he pledges revenge, rightfully so, because the mom is murdered and he executes that revenge. Yes, that's the same per- Here's the person's the epitome of Anivus. They talk bechazka. That means chutzpadik, you know, like very strong. They're trying to be chutzpadik, but they were very upset. So most of the time when you do that, the reaction is oh, uh, just a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, who do you think you are? I'm running the place over here, and Hashem told me to do it this way, and I wasn't told to call you, and it's all true. But the thing he didn't do was get angry. And he gave him the softest response you can imagine. And it's almost a shyly, if he has a dinner of a melech and he could do what he's going to do later on in the parak, you'd think, has he allowed to answer like this? But that's the godless of Gideon over here. He understood where, we're in the middle of a war. That's why I keep telling you, there are 15,000 escaped across the United despite all their best efforts. And this is not the time to start a heated exchange where he's going to waste his time and he's going to lose B'nai Ephraim. It just... The Sakhan Safash is over here. See, so he understands that over here, this is not the call for Kavaramalchus. This is the call for how quickly in the next 10 seconds can I diffuse this? And that's a godless. This is so important for Yom Naran. Like, it couldn't be better to say Sayyid Sameh Tshuva because, what? Rosh said he had a dinner of Malchus, right? So, to what extent was he like a Malchus? 
So we'll see that as we continue the parak. But he's going to use the powers rightfully so later on. So much so, you wonder if he has so much power and he has to demand the covet. Why is he allowed to be Michael over here? The answer is we're in the middle of a mechama. And he understood where they were coming from. And that's why I'm going back to point out that last week, when he sent away all these thousands of people, nobody started a fight. There could have been a fight there. He says, uh, what do you mean I'm not getting shishi? Who, who, why are you sending us away? We have Mamish and Pizayim. That had to leave before, uh, before Nate's. It was so embarrassing. And nobody said a word. That's, that's a godless. And here, if they're this angry already, so why didn't they bring it up before? The answer is they also understood. We're in the middle of a battle. So he still sees in the middle of a battle. And if Bnei Ephraim leaves, that's not great for the shtadlis on the ground. And it's also not great because they're going to get other people once the machlikas gets out of control. They're going to get that. He's going to be left with nobody. He's going to be dealing with this for the next 10 hours and they're going to lose the rest of the battle. He can't afford that. They can't afford it. No. So that makes a lot of sense. So where's the godless? The answer is a lot of people knowing all that would still get their feathers ruffled and right away react. Uh, who are you talking to? I'm Gidon. Can you please fall in line? Uh, even though they're in the middle of a battle. So it takes a great person to be able to just hear what he just heard and give them an answer that's going to satisfy them. It's not just good enough here not to get angry. If he ignores them, he's in trouble. So we'll look at the next Pasuk here. This is uh, classic in terms of the reaction one should have in this type of situation. Aviezer is the name of his family. See, he says, what did I do? Look at Rashi. He said, you want to talk about accomplishments? What I did at the beginning of the battle was nothing compared to what you just did. Even though they're not really at the end, but it was certainly a turning point when most of them didn't make it across the Yardin because of the efforts of Ephraim. The grapes at the end of the season. He says, your shvacha grapes are better than my original harvest. He says, you're the ones who are capturing the top men there, ensuring that we're going to have an ultimate victory. I'm not going to hear from them again. He said, I, whatever I did doesn't compare to what you did. These are the exact words that were needed for this situation. They're hurt. They just need a little COVID. Say COVID amalchus. We'll get to that. But right now, it wasn't called for. And that itself is a call, so to speak. And it couldn't have been handled better. Because as soon as he said that, we'll have one more pasuk here. And then I'll take the questions. I could do anything like that. I didn't catch them, you did. Oz Rafsa Rucham, so they calmed down. Rafsa Rusa Me'ala Bedabra Hadavra Hazeh. And that was the end of the conversation in three minutes. And then they all continued fighting. You can imagine in their, in their worst nightmare had they uh, continued this discussion for another uh, few minutes, it would have gotten heated, more heated, and back and forth, and the whole thing would have fallen apart. And in life, just we're coming to Yom Kippur with all the Alchets, you look back, part of the Azivas Alchet is understanding how to handle a potential Machoikis before it gets out of hand. And a lot of things during the year could have been avoided had we just learned from Giddon how to diffuse a situation. Yes? That's correct. 
Over here, we don't see everyone back to them, though. By David Amelach, he waited a long time, like with Shimi ben Gera. They talk to, he's the commander-in-chief, and he's the Melech, and they're coming with Tainas, that's already my Malchus. There's an army, and there's always... They didn't actually do anything Even if you just say something, in an army especially, or in general political life, there's a hierarchy, and you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be one, two, five, ten, hundred people who feel that they should have gotten the top job, and they were slighted. That's the nature of life. So there's always people with Tainas. Ah, uh, yeah, they have a whole battalion over here, a very important one, and they come back and as a whole shavit, they're coming with tainas. That's pretty um, potentially destabilizing. And he uh, just said, you guys are 100% right, I don't hold a candle to you, and you did everything, which wasn't really true. They helped a lot, but he exaggerated their accomplishments and underrated his own to be able to give them the cover they needed on the spot to be able to continue the battle. And it took him to Psukim. And he never went back to it, which is uh, incredible. Th- this is leadership at its best. You've got to know when, and it's never a perfect sign. It's never easy, and, and everybody's feelings, they're human, start getting in the way, and that's the, that's the problem. And sometimes you can't be medical, and sometimes when a person uh, you know who you're dealing with is not going to be satisfied, you just have to completely ignore them because whatever you say is not going to satisfy them. Here, he knew we're dealing with good people, and they just didn't understand. Look at what we just did. If you would have called us earlier, would have been better. He said, you guys did everything. Don't worry about it. And me and my family, we don't hold uh, a candle to this, and it's uh, absolutely incredible what you did, and keep up the good work. And that's what held everything together. He didn't even answer them. He not only answered them. He sort of like, I can't say stretch the truth. He very much emphasized their great work. He didn't even of course not, and it wasn't necessary. That's the beauty of it. When most people complain, by the way, it has nothing to do with what they're saying. It's all about COVID. <laughs> it's all about feelings. That's all. They just want to be heard. So sometimes you can do that, and, and that's Kavaldic, and sometimes even after you do it, it doesn't help, and sometimes you can't even do it. You've got to know each situation. Yeah. Yeah, but a king, a king can't usually do that. The Musa for us, this is for Yom Naram, he did it because there's a heta freaking to do it when you're in the middle of a battle. When he gets to the cities, he's going to get too soon, and they basically uh, have, you think this was chutzpah, this was nothing compared to what's coming. And they basically don't help him, and he's starving. That's a real the Malchus. And they tell him, yeah, who said you're going to win? We're not taking any... We'll see. When we get there, there are all sorts of uh, uh, tainas and fears, real and imagined, and... He didn't do anything to them because he wasn't in a position to, but he said, uh, when I get back winning this battle, um, we're going to discuss this and discuss it like they do in Staten Island. Uh, we're not going to let this pass. And he couldn't. There, the mom's impeding the war effort. Ephraim wants recognition. But even over there, he didn't do it right away. But he couldn't do it right away, and he wouldn't waste time. He said, you're not giving me, he just asked for bread. He's not even giving me basic supplies. What, I'm going to argue with you now? We're starving. I don't have enough time. We're strength. To argue with you, he's just going to go fight it. That's going to be, but he's going to come back after the end of the battle. Yeah. So, again, there are a lot of issues in them bringing it up, but the godless over here is, he just figured his job is to unruffle feathers and uh, soothe over some hurt pride, and that's what's important for Klaizo now. 
it's not clear that all of Shevet Zafrayim, or even part thereof, were they from, some of them from the people who were sent away. It sounds like they said, why don't you call us? Sounds like they didn't even call them, because they weren't right there in the center. But they said, how can you not call Ephraim? Wherever we are, we're happy to come, which is great. And we're a very, very important part of the fighting force. So it sounds like this group wasn't there at all. The Pasuk had two different Pasukim. One is the people that joined from the surrounding areas, and some of Farshim say they were part of the people who were sent away. And then Ephraim sounds like, why didn't you call us to begin with? So, That's what Mepharshim put in, doesn't say in the Pasuk. But I added with some uh, Mepharshim suggestion that there were a lot of people waiting on the wings, which uh, makes sense. He didn't tell them, to go home, I don't want to see you ever again. He said, Hashem wants only 300 attacking. the Magdalene's. So, Yaakov, you had a... So, this was uh, done superbly. And the fact that uh, right now they're in very good shape to continue the battle. The only problem is they're very, very low on supplies. And we're going to see. Let's go to Pasuk Dalid. He had no time. They did. They didn't have time to burn the supplies. That's correct. But he didn't have time to pick it up. That's how quickly this all happened. So the good news is it happened very quickly and that was part of the nace. And the other news is that he had to just give chase because, again, you see his first order was get rid of those bridges because he didn't want them going to fight back in Eivar Yarden, even though there are supposed to be Yiddish cities there that can help. He wasn't apparently convinced at the time that that's going to work. Unclear how surprised he was when they were going to say no. Uh, and he also knew that it's still enemy territory. The closer you are to Aram, the more dangerous it is. So it's interesting, with all the reinforcements and all the people that came back and all the Ephraim, Apostolic seems to be saying pretty clearly that he still only crossed the 300 men. I'm not sure why, because after he made things peaceful and everything, why didn't they all join him? My guess is that he understood from Coach Baruch Hu that the ones fighting the battle in the front lines have to be only the 300 men to be Magdalenes. And even though the reinforcements helped and the Bnei Ephraim helped and they caught people, but in terms of pushing the boundaries on the battle, he's still got to go with those 300 men, which is a chiddish nifla. But I have no way to explain it because it'd be a lot better if these 300 men are exhausted and they're hungry. Let them go home. And take the rest of the Ephraim. He just calmed them down and says, you guys are fantastic. Can you go and chase them? They didn't do that. So, sounds like he understood these 300 men are key to the Ruchnius Dikaschusim in this battle. So he comes to Sukkos, the name of the city, a Jewish uh, shtat. A simple request is, can we have some bread? He didn't ask for pizza, falafel, or shawarma. Just some bread. He wouldn't ask for that anyway, because he's not Magushim. He needs basic supplies. There are two people we still have to get, and those are the two kings of Midian. And we need to catch them as soon as possible. There are often kings in the city-states. Amidjan was an association of these city-states, and we need to capture them. So the elders of the city 
gave him a response which certainly wasn't expecting. The question is just how shocked he was. He was uh, rightfully very annoyed and without bread after the exchange. He said, did you win the battle that you want supplies and we should help you? What in the world does that mean? The answer is, they claimed, they didn't have to spell this out, they claimed they were scared. They said, we live in Avery Yard, and we're not right next to Midian, and they're dangerous people. You see how dangerous they are. And they're going to want revenge, especially what you just did to them. And the battle's not over yet. And if you don't finish them off, they're going to come back like a bad penny, as they always do. And we're going to be in trouble, because they're going to come and wipe out the town, because we aided and abetted the enemy. I don't want to overplay their taina or their hand because they were completely wrong over here. There were Nisim Gulim going on. He was appointed as a Navi Hashem to go fight. And it's Amrit of Amalchus. It's lack of Amuna in the Navi. The Rambam says in Ikar and Amuna is Hashem talks to Navim and he had enough Simonim already and everybody in Kleisol understood this while everybody on the other side of the Arden, on, on our side. And they were scared and they gave into their emotions that we live over here and this is the wild uh, east, uh, wild west, right? Wild west. And uh, they're going to come back to get us. And what if you lose? So I, I'd, I'd like to say I feel for them, but you can't because they were completely wrong over here. Natural human emotion, but he already proved enough. He killed 80% of the army already. There was some gloom going on. This all happened. Everybody's talking about this. So why would they say this? The answer is they gave in to the Sahara and they were scared, which is um, going to be hard to understand. And he asked them for bread. He didn't ask them for like a whole victory parade. Uh, but don't do parabi. You want to slip me some bread under the covers? Uh, fine, but <laughs> we need some bread. Yes. They don't have to wash, that we know, battle formation. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the big cooler. Why do you ask? <laughs> we, we are making on some drabana, that's a sugya, uh, which ones we are. But they don't have to wash. But uh, they're, they're not, they don't, unfortunately, they're going to leave this city without anything to wash on. Now, benching, they should try to do, uh, even if it's not been coming. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to get any. But uh, you're looking for the coolers of how big a rush they're in. <laughs> Unfortunately, their stomach is going to be telling them they're as hungry as they were five minutes ago, and they're going to be a lot hungrier until they finish this battle. These 300 men are going to be in a pretty stretched uh, state. Yeah. They should by now. He expected them. This is a real Merida. They did. They just didn't believe. They they did. That's. Uh, <laughs> And I'm out of communication, but there are enough people around that knew. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course they are. The scorched ground. Yeah, they're very angry. They're dangerous people. Yeah, they're killing people, whoever they can find. You're going to see they killed a couple of people they're going to wish they hadn't soon, but we're going to keep you in suspense for that. But yeah, they're not, they're not just running. Once they cross the Yardane, they breathe easier. They weren't killing people to throw them on the run. Once they crossed the Yardane, they didn't think Gideon would follow them, first of all. And they had heavy losses, but yes, they're angry and they're killing people. 
So the way the Mepharshim say is that you, their taina, again, I don't want to overplay their taina, their taina was if they find out we helped you, we're going to be in big trouble. There are ways to find out, not find out. There are yidin who are hungry. Forget the battle. The yidin who are starving. You get how we spoke about this yesterday in the Tshuva Drasha. You have a thousand reasons why you're about to do something, and then the Yitzhak says, you don't want to do that. That could be, you have a better way. Don't do it over here. This could be that. A thousand reasons you shouldn't be doing this. Somebody's hungry, and they need bread. He didn't ask for any. He asked for bread. He didn't even ask for ammunition. He didn't ask for spears. He asked for bread. you got to have a very, very, very strong raya that you're right and he's wrong. And everybody's talking about Nisim and the flaws that happened over here. Not in Sukkot. We don't have any rise. They killed anybody. Sukkot was a city. But they, in their city, didn't touch them. So what are they so afraid of? They didn't, they didn't have any scars here. He came to a city that wasn't part of the Bible. They had bread. Oh, they had bread. Nobody says that. And I said, there's no Libas Chus over here. They're going to be wrong, and some of them are going to be dead wrong soon. Uh, they're, 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 there's no excuse for this. I'm just trying to explain what they were thinking. Yes, there was one more hand. Well, we'll do another two minutes. We're not going to have time for Pelayets. So this was their answer, and says, why should we give you, you didn't beat out the enemy, and Zevach Samun are not in your hands. To which Gidon answers, Pasik Zayim, Vayemer Gidon Lachem, Besei Sashem, Zevach Samun, Beyadi. He doesn't say if. He says, when I come back victorious, and Zevach and Samun are in my hands, Vedashti is Besaychem, Eskaitsia Midbar, Vesha Barkanim. Thorns and thistles. Nobody really knows what thistles are, but they're like thorns. So he told them, when I get back, you're going to be schlepped over the thorns, and it's not going to tickle. Interesting. He didn't say he's going to kill them. He could have killed them as a Merba Malchus. He had a din of Melech, that, enough of a din Melech. He says, you're going to be publicly flogged, basically, for giving an answer like this, because you can have a situation where we don't have a standing army. We only have an army ad hoc, and there's a Navi and there's a Shefet, and you've got to join the army. I might be asking you to join. I'm fighting with 300 people. I'm asking you to give us bread. And you're going to pay for it. Two more psukim. Vayal, Misham, Penuel, Vidabar, Alem, Kazais. He goes to the next city. They're still without bread. So he goes to Penuel. Another fine year of Ambi Yisrael, at least until now. Vayidabar, Alem, Kazais. And he asks them for basic supplies. Vayano, so Anche Penuel, Kasha, Ano, Anche Sukkos. And they give him the same bad answer. And he says, well, we don't know. It's dangerous and you didn't win yet. And who says that uh, you're supposed to be here? And you, you asked, don't they know that he's a Navi? Maybe they said, maybe Hashem told you to fight only on that side of the Yardin, not to come here, and you want enough, and they're not coming back, which are all good. Havamin is until he tells them again, I need bread, and I'm the Shafit, and you've got to listen. All the Sephardas are good until the commander-in-chief tells you, I heard what you said, and we're doing it my way. There's got to be leadership. They had a tower in the town of Penuel that was a tower for protection. And he saw already that they, part of the reason they had the chutzpah is because they were lying in this tower and they weren't afraid of anybody, meaning they weren't afraid Gidon's going to come and take revenge. And he sort of was telling them, if you're not afraid of anybody, what are you afraid of Midjan for? <laughs> Saying, give me bread. You are afraid, you're not afraid. You're only partially afraid. So he told him, when I get back, I'm going to rip down this tower, which sounds relatively benign compared to the thorns and the thistles. I'm going to warn you, it's going to come out that when he comes back victorious, which he will, of course, he's going to go back to Sukkot first and take the elders and torture them, but not kill them. He gets to Penuel, he's going to end up killing people, and then some of Hershom say, it doesn't sound like that from the Pusik, that he didn't plan on killing anybody. 
but when he got there, they used their fortress to defend the city, and then he had to end up fighting a war against them, and they end up getting killed. So it turns out Penuel is going to fare worse than this, but neither were right, and Amit Hashem. We'll get to that. In the meanwhile, you've got to know where to pick your fights. Gemara Chasim